Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for being in the house of God today. You've made a good decision. Amen? I want to say thank you for showing up on time early for praise and worship. And I want to say thank you for praying, inviting, and bringing people with you. Amen. Who's got their Bible with them today? Uh Oh, well, that was one of us, Miss Amy. She's got it. Hallelujah. Who's got their Bible with them today? If you brought your smartphone, you've got a Bible. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to make our confession because what we believe is when we speak out of an abundant heart, that's when faith's activated. Amen? You know, believe it or not, I don't have you say things just because I like to hear you talk. It's because the abundance of the heart comes forth through the vehicle of words. Who's ready to make this confession by faith and receive the power of God? Amen? Let's do it. Let's say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind's alert. My heart's receptive. I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, incorruptible, ever-living seed, the Word of God, and I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. If you believe it, lift up a hand clap of praise. Give God a hallelujah in the house today. Hallelujah. How many have been blessed by Pastor's series these past three weeks, the God's plan of salvation? Amen. Give him a hand clap of praise. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm thankful for him. I'm thankful for him. And that's not for all the years that you paid me allowance. Amen. I, I'm actually thankful. Hallelujah. Amen. Though it does pay off, investment return. Amen. How many heard something that you've never heard before in those past few weeks? I know I have. I know I have. And you think, well, you know, I've not, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Today's my first day of visiting. We're glad that you're visiting today. Uh, all those resources are available wherever you, Facebook, YouTube, podcast channel, we'll make it available to you. Uh, but in the vein of that, and now what I'm about to teach today, you don't have to think, well, I'm going to miss out on what you're talking about today. No, it's a standalone message. But I'm going to keep going right in that spirit of God's plan of salvation and what it means to you and I as Christians, as believers. How many are believers in the house today? How many believe on Jesus? Amen? Amen. So as you can see behind me on the wall, the title of the message is Him We Preach. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. Colossians 1, verse 24, New Testament. One of the Pauline letters. Actually, one of uh, what they call Bible scholars who sit around in ivory towers. No, I'm just kidding. A lot of them are good people, good people who love God. But they've, they've labeled Colossians one of the prison letters. You might think, well, what does that have to do with anything? What does that mean, a prison letter? Well, Paul wrote this encouraging message from a place called prison. And he's writing to the church in Coloss, but also to you and I. And as you're turning to Colossians 1 verse 24, let me read this to you. I want to give you a key point. This is what we're talking about today. I want to go ahead and give you up front so you know what we're studying and what we're going to see in God's Word today. As a Christian, you have Christ in you. This is the hope of glory and the solution, someone say solution, solution to the problems of a sin-sick world. Having this hope, Christ in you, this good news, you are responsible to God to proclaim Christ by warning, teaching, and bringing to maturity all those who will hear and believe despite persecution or cost, and you do this by the power of God in you. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. Let's read. Let's go ahead and get right into it. Him we preach. Paul's writing here to us by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body 
which is the church. Of which I become a minister, became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Someone say, that's me. To them, he's talking about you. Are your ears red? He's talking about you. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 28, him we preach. Warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. You have been saved when you believe on Jesus. Amen? When you believe on Jesus, the precious blood of Christ that was shed at Calvary's heel was shed for you. He died my death, your death. He hung on our cross. He paid our debt in full, spirit, soul, and body. Amen? He, buried, he was buried in our grave so that when He was raised from the dead, we could be raised with Him. How many are thankful for the power of salvation in your life? But it doesn't stop there. He saved you because He loves you. The Bible tells us, Romans 5, 8, while we were yet dead in sin, God showed His love, having Christ dying for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before we even had a thought of God and His mercy, He had already prepared a way for us to be saved and brought back into the family of God. And that's good, and that's powerful, and that's wonderful, but it doesn't just stop with you being saved. You have been changed so that you can be filled with the power of God. Jesus said it this way. Of course, in the day of Jesus, when he walked the earth around 30 A.D., well, they didn't have, you know, water, water bottles and camelbacks and all these mugs and thermoses. Who, who's, who's always going to have a mug or a thermos or a water cup wherever you're going? I know a lady, she may actually be watching a friend, uh, Miss Tammy. Laura knows what I'm talking about. She, she's always got two. She's got hot and cold. She's got a cup of coffee and she's got water to stay hydrated. Coffee, caffeine, hydration. The caffeine, hydration. I mean, she's locked and loaded. But, and of course, in that day, in Jesus' day, they, they didn't have, you know, those uh, Yeti cups and camelbacks and all those things. They had wine skins, which was made from animal skins. And here's the thing. When you would fill up one of those animal skins, particularly as Jesus was talking about with wine, the fermentation process of wine would release gases and it would stretch that animal skin. Sometimes like when I put on blue jeans. No, it would stretch those animal skins. Todd, don't laugh. That's not a joke. It would stretch those animal skins. And Jesus would say, once you empty that wine skin, you can't use it again. Because if you put new wine in an old skin, when it goes through that fermentation process and stretches it out again, it'll burst. The reason you were saved and made a new creation was because if God filled you the way you were, you'd blow up. You needed to be made new. But it didn't just stop with making you new. God's not going to make you a new container and leave you empty. As the psalmist said, he wanted to make you a brand new cup so that he could fill you up to overflowing. Why do you need to be overflowing? So that you can have everything that you need for yourself, your family, and then overflowing and pouring out to everyone that's around you. And this is what Paul's saying here. The whole purpose of the gospel is this. We preach Christ. We serve Jesus. You might say, well, yeah, amen. Hallelujah, AJ. I agree with you. We serve Jesus. But think about what that really means. You serve a king, not a doctrine. Though doctrine will teach us about God. You should know good doctrine. Well, you know, doctrine just simply means, you should know what salvation means. You should know what it means to be righteous. The doctrine of healing, doctrine of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We should know those things and study those things. But the end goal of studying the Bible, the end goal of prayer, the end goal of you being here is to know the man, Christ Jesus. 
The end goal of relationship with God is to know Him. And that's what we preach. That's who we witness. That's who we proclaim is a man named Jesus. Now, I want you to see this. A couple different things, and we're going to be just working through. I, I find myself, I'm, you know, for years of, of, of learning how to hone in this call of teaching the Word of God, sometimes I would try to be like other people, other ministers. If I came up on a Sunday and I was rhyming, it's because I listened to a bunch of T.L. Osborne because he just had an anointing to rhyme. And people might, you know, dad would probably say, he's been listening to a lot of Osborne because he don't rhyme at home, but now he's rhyming up here at church for some reason. But I'm just going to be me, and what I've found out is lots of times I'll just take this passage, and we're just going to break through it verse by verse. That's how it makes sense to me. So I want you to see Colossians 1, verse 24. Notice this. Him we preach in suffering. Woo, glory. Somebody run up and jump and shout and clap, amen? Turn the place upside down. Oh, in suffering, glory. No, no, that don't make you very happy at first onset, does it? If you put that on the front of a book cover, I'm in the Christian book business, you put that on the front of the book cover, it will not say in a few years, one million copies sold. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tell a little... You want me to tell a little secret on my dad? They asked for it. Mom and dad were cleaning out. My wife's an excellent organizational person. She's good at organizing. I'm not. I just go through the house with a trash bag, and if I ain't touched it in a few months, it's gone. And then Laura says, where is this? I said, it's gone. We ain't messed with it. It's winter clothing. Why am I going to wear it in July? You know, something like that. Well, I got that from Dad. He just goes through with trash bags. Stuff just starts flying by. What is this? I don't know. Chunk it, you know. So they're spring cleaning, and I, I'm over there. We go to the, to the dump, and he had a bag of books. And the man at the dump that was, you know, working there, he said, what kind of books are those? He, he obviously was reading. He had a big novel in his hand. And dad pulled them out. He said, they're diet books, but they don't work. They, <laughs> he, said, he, said, he said, they don't work. I've had them for years, but they ain't done nothing yet. <laughs> He'll get me back next week. He'll have a couple more weeks. He'll get me back. <laughs> Knowing something's one thing, acting on it's different, amen? Him we preach in suffering. What do I mean by this? Well, Paul's got it right here. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you. And I fill up my flesh what is lacking the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Paul's not saying here, Christ didn't finish what he needed to do, so I need to suffer some more on his behalf. What Paul is saying is this, I'm happy to pay the cost for other people to know about Jesus. Him we preach in suffering. Turn with me to Mark 8. Verse 34. Mark 8, verse 34. I want you to see this. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. New Testament, second gospel. Mark 8, verse 34. And when he had called the people to himself, notice how Jesus does church growth here. When he called people to himself and his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up the cross. Follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man or a woman if they gain the whole world and lose their soul? What does it cost to follow Jesus? Everything you've got. It costs you your total submission, spirit, soul, and body. It costs you your thought life. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I have to, in order to obey the word of God, I have to judge every single thought that comes through my mind and see if it measures up with Christ. And if it doesn't, I don't get to think on it. It costs me my emotional life. If I just want to, uh-oh, be hangry. What's hangry? It's when you get angry when you're hungry, Amen. I'm just hangry. Well, you need to control that hanger. Crucified, amen. Maybe that means you keep some snacks in your bag. Keep one for me. It will, so if my emotions don't line up, am I being like Christ? Is this in Galatians 5? 
Well, <laughs> in Galatians 5, the first time it says all the wicked works of the flesh and then the works of the Spirit. So it could be in Galatians chapter 5, but is it the wicked works of the flesh or the works of the Holy Spirit? Because I want the fruits of the Holy Spirit, amen? So it's going to cost you something. But here's the thing. The cost of following Jesus, and it doesn't just say, notice this, verse 36. Catch this. I'm sorry, verse 35. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's, Whoever will lose his life for my sake, following me, and this message, this good news message that the Savior has come, then they'll gain their life. So part of me losing my life is losing it completely, totally to the call of Christ, which is just not my submission to Him, but being submitted to Him so fully that I become a witness for Him. Him we preach in suffering and persecution. How many can say that you have been persecuted or you've caught some pushback or some flack for standing up for what's right or true? Could you say that? You've experienced that. You can count that as glory unto God. It's a worthy cause. Acts chapter 5, the apostles said that they get beat up. They get roughed up. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the people that were there that lied on Jesus, of course, it was part of that divine plan that Jesus gave his life. Jesus said it point blank, no one takes my life, I lay it down freely. But these Pharisees and Sadducees, they played the part in it, and they lied and they mocked Christ and they lied about him. And they thought they'd got rid of this whole gospel thing that was messing up their religious system that allowed them to have control over people. But something happened. The word of God came to pass. Jesus went to heaven, and when he went to heaven, he said the Comforter would come, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost came, and it fell on 120 witnesses who began to tell people about Jesus. And in just a moment's time, they went from 120 to 3,000. That's church growth, praise God. That's divine multiplication there. And these Pharisees and Sadducees, they say, wait a minute, I thought we got rid of the one, but now we've got thousands saying the same thing this one said, what Jesus said. We'll, 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 we'll fix them. They bring in some of the, they find some of the disciples, some of the apostles. They beat them up, rough them up. And what do, what do they do when they're leaving? Acts 5 verse 41. And when they departed from the presence of the council, they were rejoicing. For they counted it worthy to suffer, suffer shame for his name. We live in what I believe the greatest nation on the earth. And why is this the greatest nation on the earth? Because it was built on the Bible. And every time someone, and I don't care whether they got a little D by their name, a little R by their name, a little I by their name, whatever political party, whatever social group, anytime someone wants to change or turn the path of a nation that was founded on the Bible to humanistic, atheistic, ungodly ways, they're enemy of God. And what happens over time, if a nation is deteriorated, then persecution will rise. And the reason why we have, for many years, to a degree, been insulated from mass persecution, or rather I should say government or institutionalized persecution, like our brothers or sisters in Christ in all these nations across the earth. I mean, my goodness, look at Canada. You can get in a car and drive to Canada. From here, it'd be a good long drive. But I mean, you live up in the northern states, you could go to Canada just for the fun of it in a day. But I got friends who were in the ministry, who sat in jail cells. And what was their crime? I want to teach the Word of God. I would be deathly afraid to be the person in office that locked up that minister. You don't touch the church of the living Lord Jesus Christ and come out unscathed. But now the Lord, He will avenge His own. In, in standing up for Jesus, it may cost you something. I start off, I start off with personal costs. It, you know, let's just be honest. It's going to cost you to have a prayer life. You're going to have to turn off Netflix if you're going to have a prayer life, to some degree. <laughs> you're going to have to silence that phone, silence notifications. At some point, if you're going to read your Bible, you're going to have to carve out some time 
to be in church. Obviously, you did. That's a cost. But the reward to this cost of serving Christ, the cost is so minuscule and so small when you compare it to the reward of eternal life and what is to come and the life of Christ flowing in your life now. Now, there may also be our persecution to which we would say, may we be worthy. Let us be counted worthy to suffer shame for the name of Christ. Because as Paul said, look, I'm rejoicing in the fact that it may cost me a little bit of something. He's in prison. I started out with that. He's in prison writing this to the church in Colossus. I want to remind you of who you are in Christ Jesus. And even though it's caused this message is so dangerous to the kingdom of hell, they want to lock me up. It can't stop it. And I'll keep on preaching it. You're in Mark chapter 8. Just flip over two chapters, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verse 35. Him we preach. You want to preach Christ? You're going to have to become a servant. Mark chapter 10, verse 35. You want to be like Jesus? You're going to have to become a servant. You want to see the power of God flowing in your life? Become a servant. Mark chapter 10, verse 35. This always makes me laugh. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we 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 want you to do for us whatever we ask. That's a trick question there, isn't it? Master, we want you to do something but we want you to say yes before you know what it is. Parents, you ever had your kids do that to you? Will you say yes if I ask you a question, Mama, Daddy? Well, what's the question? I don't want to tell you yet until I know whether you're going to say yes or not. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, grant us or make it so that we can sit, one on your right hand and one on your left in glory. Lord, we ain't asking much. We just want to be elevated above all these other disciples that we're hanging out with. We ain't asking much, Lord, but just go ahead and let them know that we're your favorite. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And they said, oh yeah, we are, we're able. And they were, but not to what they realized at that moment. And they did drink this cup of baptism, a cup of suffering, but they did it in the strength of the Holy Spirit, which was to come. But right now they're asking something out of their own selves. And Jesus is about to give them and give you and I a key. You want to go high with God? This is how you do it. Verse 41. When the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased because he says, look, you, you are going to sit on my... You are going to drink this baptism of cup, but I can't give out this right and left-hand seats you want. Verse 42. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that they, there are those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles? They lord over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great, you shall be your servant. Whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. You want to tell people about Jesus, it's going to take the heart of a servant. You can't be too busy to, to stop and talk to someone. I, I, I would, I've repented of it. But I've been in that situation. I'm not going to ask for you to, to say that you were, but you, you just search your own heart. I've been in places where I played that game. Oh, I'm too busy. I got something else to do. I, I can't stop. And have a nudging of the Holy Spirit. Talk to that person. Invite that person to church. Reach out to this person. Call this person. Sometimes the Holy Spirit even uses a very, very strong voice in my life. My wife. Amen. She's, she's anointed of the Holy Spirit. And she'll say, you know what? I've been thinking. I want you to talk to so-and-so. And I, and I usually do. But I, there's been times where I, I, I have to repent and say, you know what? I didn't stop. Because if I play this game, my life's too important. That's not the heart of a servant. If the Lord of our kingdom came to serve, 
why would we expect we would not serve as well? If you want to be like Jesus, I'm talking about the key to power with God. You're going to have to have the heart of a servant. The way up, Derek Prince, mighty man of God, British minister, went on to be with the Lord several years ago. He said, the way up in the kingdom is down. The book of Proverbs says, humility comes before honor. That's so necessary for me to remember. I found a banner and it hangs in my office here at the church. Every time I look up from my desk, humility comes before honor. Because if I want to do great things with God, it's going to require me to have the heart of a servant. In order to finish this point, I want you to see this. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. See, if Jesus is Lord of your life, well, it's just that. He's Lord, which means what he says goes. If he says go, you go. If he says no, you say no. If he says yes, you say yes. If he says stay, you stay. We sing that song, right? Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Who you love, I love. I will follow you. Or the older song, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. Right? The cross before me. The world behind me. No turning back. There is the heart of a servant. This is the key to success. You want a motivational key to success in the kingdom of God? Here it is. Be a servant. Philippians chapter 2 verse 1. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in the lowliness, the humility of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look, not out, look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. February, I did two different weddings, and I read that portion of Scripture in both of the wedding ceremonies because it's so necessary if you want to have a successful marriage. You want to have a successful marriage? Treat your spouse. Consider your spouse more than you do yourself. Well, they don't deserve it. Hmm? I didn't say it. Harry thought it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, Harry. <laughs> it's the other way around, Miss Jean. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't... I, you, you want to have a successful marriage? Consider your spouse more than yourself. Esteem them more than yourself. Be a servant more to them. You want to, you want to have friends, strong friends that will carry you? Do for them. Don't be a taker. Be a giver. You know, you see this, you see this in church life. Sometimes people, they want to be a part or they rather, I should say this, they want, I shouldn't say want to be a part. They might want something for, quote unquote, the church to do for them. But they only show up when they need something. You want, you, you want people to surround you, surround people. You want people to love you, love people. You want people to honor you, give honor. You know, no one likes, you, you, probably a good example is in the workplace. No one likes a boss that demands things from people just because they want it and I've got a title, but I, I don't really live it. You know, I've got a title. I've got a degree. I've got a certification. Well, that's great, friend, because the person you're talking to might have 17 years of experience and you showed up three weeks ago. Your title don't mean a whole lot. And you can throw that title around if you like, but it's not going to carry much weight. But if you begin to honor people, you'll build trust with people. And when you have trust with people, you can leverage that trust. And what I'm saying is you have people that you can reach that I'll never speak to, that pastor will never speak to. You have a level of trust that when you say something, it'll mean something because you've served them. And when you say something about Jesus, it's different because they know you. They know you're the real deal. And if you want to be like Christ, you want to preach Christ, have the heart of a servant. Have the heart of a servant. It's like, you know, the two people that were going to a, a believer's convention. They were both in separate cars. And uh, they were fighting over which, car, uh, which parking place to get into. Right? We got to get in there. Why did you cut me off? Well, bless God, I'm trying to get in and worship the Lord. That's why I cut you off. Right? Don't cut them off. No, 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 no. You've got to serve one another. The Spirit of Christ is the Spirit of serving. 
Now, let's keep going. In Colossians 1 verse 26, it says this, Even the mystery, someone say mystery, which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest or revealed to his saints. You know a secret. And the secret is this. Jesus has come to save everyone that will believe on him. You might think, oh, that ain't a secret. I'm here to tell you there are people that you'll pass today that don't know that truth. Because people, they may even have, you might talk to them and use the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus carries power and authority. I've learned this. I had to learn this. Because I'll say, do you believe in God? And people say, oh, yes. Then I find out what God they believe in. You know, I take a little bit of this, a little bit of Christianity, a little bit of this. I mix it in. You know, it's like making cookies. I made some cookies earlier this week. The devil, got, the devil broke through with his temptation. He kept saying, why don't you bake some cookies? Your wife would like them. And then what, what, and about an hour later, here I got 18 mega chocolate chip chunk cookies. And I had to say, I bind you, devil, and freeze six of them. Then, I, then I'm thinking about right now, if I get home and I go ahead and put it in the oven, I'll have six in about 30 minutes from when I get home to eat. Some people have a recipe of faith. I throw a little bit of Bible, a little bit of my opinions, a little bit of this new ageism, a little bit of politics. Mm, that don't taste quite right. Take too little, little too much Jesus in there. Let's take a little bit of that there. Oh, yeah, that's, that's pleasant. That's, that's nice. The Bible says in the last days, the Spirit says expressly that there will be some that fall away from the faith. How do people fall away from the faith? Bad doctrine, bad belief, wrong thinking, something that doesn't line up with the Word of God. When you have something in your heart that guides your life that doesn't line up with the Word of God, what you have done, in effect, is build an idol. And God will not compete with the idols of man. And so I've learned you can't say you believe in God. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And I've done, I mean, I talked to someone one time, I know I'm saved, so you believe in Jesus. Well, I wouldn't go that far. No, th this, man, this man called me from hospice. He's dying. He fought with me and argued with me for 30, 40 minutes. He had the wrong number, but for some reason he kept talking to me. But it wasn't the wrong number that day. I don't know. I just wouldn't go that far. I, just, I said, if you really believe in Jesus, just say, confess with your mouth, as the Bible says, Romans 10 and 9, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believing in your heart that he's the risen Son of God, and you'll be saved. Verse 13, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I just can't do it. I said, I beg of you. I said, what are you going to lose? You're here dying already. What if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? I wish I could say he did, but he didn't. I don't know what happened to him. I pray those seeds sown that he would turn in the last moments if he did. People need to hear this mystery. What is the mystery? That Christ has come and he has made a way for salvation for anyone who believes. Well, that's real good, AJ. I mean, after all, that's why we've got you and pastor. That's your job, right? Romans 10, verse 14. I'm glad you asked. Romans 10, verse 14. Romans 10, verse 14. Verse 13, I just quoted, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So that's a biblical fact. That's a supernatural principle. If you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. End of story. Then he asked this question in verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now don't say, oh, I told you it was you and pastor. This word preacher means someone who proclaims. If you've got a mouth, say Amen. Some of y'all didn't say amen, but we know you got a mouth because you can't stop it from running. Some of you got a mouth for two of us. If you've got a mouth and you've got Jesus in your heart, you're a preacher. 
One, one man of God, I can't remember his name to, to give him honor and credit. I would like to say I made it up, but I'd be a lying dog if I said that. He said all Christians are called into the ministry. Just a few of them stand behind pulpits. If you know Jesus, you've got a mystery. The mystery to the world. People are searching for it, right? The spring that if I can... They made a movie, a Disney movie with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And just Oh, it's the Jungle Cruise. Jungle Cruise movie. That's my favorite ride at Disney World. It's so funny because you get on the Jungle Cruise. I know Daniel Megan's been in Disney World. You get on Jungle Cruise, they tell a bunch of bad jokes. Oh, not like dirty jokes, like dad jokes. Like, that's my kind of jokes. The one that no one laughs at. I like a little suspense when I tell jokes and people are like, oh. <laughs> I just like the awkward feeling of it. I don't know. They made this movie, and what was the point of the movie? They're trying to find this tree that if they eat this fruit, they'll live forever. Within humanity is this desire to live forever. And you know where the tree's at. Verse 15, And how shall they preach unless they're sent? As it's written, How beautiful are the feet. Who's got some beautiful feet here today? Don't take off your shoes and show me. Especially you grown men. I don't want to see your feet. Come on now. The ladies, they paint them and make them look good, but men, just keep your shoes on. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. What's so interesting is, especially in my Bible, it's indented on both sides, which means it's a quotation from the Old Testament. Just a little pro tip when studying your Bible when you see that, or if it's italicized. And there's a quotation from Isaiah and Nahum, Old Testament prophets. But if you go back and read the references, Nahum and Isaiah say, how beautiful, how beautiful is the feet of him who has brought glad tidings. Isaiah and Nahum are prophesying that there is one and his feet are beautiful because his feet carry his message, Jesus. But something changed between Jesus coming and the Holy Spirit bringing about this Roman letter that we call the book of Romans. It went from his feet to their feet. Well, what was the change? You got saved. And his feet are now seated in heaven. And 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that you that believe on him are ambassadors, speaking on the behalf of God. I just wish the Lord would speak to them. Hey, all you got to do is call up that person then. I just wish the Lord would speak to so-and-so. Hey, go and pray before God and say, Lord, I'm going to go speak on your behalf to so-and-so. I just wish they could hear the truth. Tell them. People are only going to see Jesus when they see him through you. Jesus is not coming back down to preach his word. He's already done it. Angels aren't going to come preach the gospel. In Acts 10, an angel comes to Cornelius, a devout man of God who had yet to be saved. And an angel comes to him and he doesn't say, this is the gospel, believe and be saved. He says, go find Peter. He'll tell you what you need to know. That would have been a great opportunity if angels were going to preach the gospel. The people that are going to preach the gospel and tell people about Jesus is the church, and that's you and me. The people that are going to tell Lawrence City, Lawrence County, the state of South Carolina and this nation about Jesus is you and me. Man to man, woman to woman, person to person, soul winning, will shake a nation. Because how are they going to hear unless someone tells them. And if they don't hear, how can they believe? And if they don't believe, how can they call on the name that saves? See, we preach Christ revealing a mystery. We reveal a mystery. If you remember Jesus talking to Peter, all the disciples really in Matthew 16, they say, hey guys, what do, who do people say I am? And they say, well, some people say you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah or some other prophet. And he says, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you're the son of God. And Jesus says, you're very blessed, Peter, because you didn't figure this out on your own. But my Father in heaven has revealed it to you. You reveal the mystery that's been revealed to you. It would be no different than if you were a firefighter and you're on a fire team and there's a house burning and it's a two-story house, and you're driving the ladder truck, and there's people stuck on the second story, and you pull up, and you see a window, and you think, if I can just get the ladder to the window, they can get out through the ladder and out of the house that's burning and about to collapse. To not tell people about Jesus 
is to be sitting in that ladder truck and just watch the house burn. Now, we have a responsibility to tell people about Christ. They have a choice whether they receive it. If you run that ladder up that window, you climb up top. Come on, come out this way. Some do and some don't. That's their choice. But if you've got a way to save and they don't know about it, that's on me. That's on you and I. Look at this. Turn with Ezekiel chapter 3. Ezekiel chapter 3. I know this... (laughs) I know that's a little heavy, but it's it's gospel truth as much as John 3.16 is. Ezekiel chapter 3, look at this, verse 16. This is how necessary, this is how important, this is how vital the message, the testimony of what Jesus has done in your life is to your family, to the friends you have, to your co-workers, to the people you go to school with, the people you live beside. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 16. Now it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. There's that house I'm talking about that's on fire. Therefore hear a word from my mouth and give them a warning. Someone say warning. Warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die. And you, Ezekiel, give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. That same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Yet if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. And it goes on to say say the same thing about the righteous. If a righteous man turns from righteousness towards wickedness and you don't warn him, he dies in his iniquity, but his blood's on your hand. But if you do warn him and he still turns from righteousness, he dies, it's, his, it's, it's, his, it's on him, you're freed, your soul's freed. But if he turns back to righteousness and he lives and is saved, that salvation's credited to you because you warned him. See, Colossians 1.28, him we preach, warning. Say warning again. Warning every man. Warning every man. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a warning to those who are dead and dying in sin. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a warning. It's a caution light on the road of life saying, if you keep going this direction, you'll die. The bridge is out. Don't go. Don't go. Don't go. But what if the caution sign's not there? What if the light's not blinking? There's no warning. The gospel of Jesus warns. But now notice this. It's not just a warning. It also says in Colossians 1.28, Him we preach teaching. Someone say teaching. Teaching every man in all wisdom. 2 Timothy 3.16 as we're coming to a close today. 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Notice that. All Scripture is given by God and it's good. It's profitable. It'll do good work. Psalms 19 says, How can a young man keep his ways pure? By the Word of God. The Word of God will teach you how to live how to honor God, how to have a life filled with His peace, His joy, and His love. We preach Christ, not just warning. We don't just say, you better turn or you're going to hell. But we say, hey, instead of living like that dead in sin, live like this full of life in Christ. Because you carry the solution to the problems of the world, which is Christ. When He says, this is how you live, and you do it, Amazing things happen. His promises come to pass in your life. When he says, I promise, I make a covenant that if you'll obey me, I'll abide in you, and then all these things will be added to you, it actually happens. You know, parents, grandparents, you have an obligation to teach your children, your grandchildren, the things of God. They may not learn with me. Naomi will never learn how to do pre-calculus from me because I made a C in high school in pre-calculus. 
And then I went to college and they said I had to take a higher level math. And I said I barely got out of the one in high school. And I'm not the smartest man in the world, but I know if the word pre's before calculus and I didn't do good in that, and you're going to make me take calculus, I'm going to do real bad. And I self-prophesied and I did real bad. I did worse than the C. I got a D. And I think it's only because the professor didn't want, to, want me to see, want to see me come back. Get on out of here. So Naomi will never learn calculus from me, but I tell you what she will learn. She'll learn how to fear the living God. She'll learn what it means to love God with everything in her spirit, soul, and body. She'll learn the ways of God. She may not learn other things that people can teach her, but what she will learn from me and her mother is how to trust God with everything in her, how to be a woman of God full of the Holy Ghost. She'll learn that church is a place where you can thrive. It's not just something on the back burner that works if the schedule fits it in. She'll learn that the Word of God is a hammer, a fire. It's a sword. It will go forth and defeat the enemies of God and that she'll go forth in the blood-bought victory of Christ Jesus. She may not learn other things, but she's going to learn the power of God. She's going to learn about the man, Christ Jesus. You've got to teach. And you think, well, I'm not a parent. But who has God trusted you to speak to? Sometimes children teach parents. You may be here and your parents aren't saved. Now it's time for the child to teach the parent and give instruction. And what does the Word of God do? Look at that, verse 17. That the man of God, the woman of God, the person of God may be complete. Say complete. Thoroughly equipped to every good work. The Word of God brings you to a place of completion, perfection, wholeness. God will bring you to that place of being complete in Christ Jesus. But it's by the man Christ Jesus. It's by the man Christ. You know, people right now, they got a hole in their soul and they don't know how to fill it. But you can give them the missing, whole, the missing ingredient, that, that one last puzzle piece to fit in their puzzle of life where that one piece is missing. You can give it to them, and it's Jesus, and it will make them complete. What you have will make people complete. Now, this last part, I want you to see this, and we're, we're going to move into a time of prayer. Colossians chapter 129. Colossians 1.29, we're going to finish it up right here. You might say, he skipped over verse 27. I did know this, Christ is in you and that's the hope of glory. But that right there is a message in itself. And, as, and the point I'm bringing to you today is that you preach Jesus. And if I get, I know myself, if I get on verse 27, you'll be here for two more hours. And then you're going to have to buy me lunch. And at that point, I'm going to be real hungry. Amen. And I ain't going to tip. I'm going to leave you to the tip too. You're going to have to tip for me. So that's your homework. Go study Colossians 1.27. Colossians 1.29. To this end I also labor, striving according to His working which works in me mightily. Him we preach by the power of God. You might think, man, this is a lot you've given me, AJ. This is a whole lot of responsibility that you've just laid on me. You don't do it by yourself. You can't. God will never call you to do something and then leave you to your own resources to do it. If God's going to call you to do something, He's also going to equip you with His power to carry out that mission. You preach Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what is so necessary. This is what changes people's lives is the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of God. What does the power of God move on? His Word, Mark 16, 20. They went about preaching the Word and the Lord working with them confirmed His Word with mighty signs and wonders. Don't be afraid to speak His Word because you're not the one that has to back it up. God does. And I think He'll back it up. I think if you'll just be bold enough to speak it, He'll back it up. You don't have to do it on your own. So here's the thing. And unfortunately, well, you can see it. About 30 years of this has, has brought this place, and I don't want to be a downer, but I'm just going to shoot straight with you. Is that okay? For about 30 years in our nation, churches have tried so many schemes and marketing plans and branding plans. I mean, I know it. I live it. This is my business. This is my calling. Churches have tried so much other stuff other than the power of the Holy Ghost. 
I don't care if you got a bunch of lights and smoke, no lights and smoke, stained glass. If you don't have the power of the Holy Ghost, I don't care. I don't care if you'd like to get dressed up with a tie, if you want to wear flip-flops. I don't care if you don't have the power of the Holy Ghost. Because that's what changes people. It's not just a religion. It's not just words. It's not just a branding. It's not just something that sounds cute and I can put it on my social media status. It's the power of God changing people, pulling them out of death, making them a new creation and setting their feet up on the high places with Christ Jesus. Bless his heart, bless his heart. I pray he's still running with God. But years ago, many of you know this, some of you don't. I, you know, playing music, me and Jesse playing music for about 12, 15 years all through South Carolina, North Carolina. We, we went and played an event, and he'll remember this. We went and played an event, and the guy said, we want you to come play. We did, you know, Christian rock pop stuff. And he said, we want you to come play. We're trying to plant a church, and we want to draw people in, outreach. I said, hey, I'm all about it. Let's build the kingdom. I'm not greedy. I just want to see people saved. That's what I love about my pastor. It's not about, I want to see people in my churches. I want to see people in the kingdom. If it's here, praise God. If it's somewhere else, good. We just want to see people saved. And so I said, hey, let's do it. Let's do it. And he's there. Remember, I'm about 16, 17. He comes up to me, you know, 40, 50. Young man, because I'm going to be 32 in two weeks. So 40 and 50 has got to be young because I'm hitting it, coming up on it quick. He had this T-shirt on. And uh, he said, you see my T-shirt? And I read it, it said, yeah, on the shirt it says, these are my church clothes. And he said, you know what I wear to church? And I said, what do you wear to church? He said, what I got on. His shirt, cargo pants, blue jean cargo shorts, flip-flops. I said, okay. He said, you should come because, like, you can wear clothes like this. That didn't translate to me too well because I like to get dressed up. <laughs> Look, if you want to wear cargo shorts and flip-flops, I don't care. If you, want to wear, if you want to have your wife Saturday night pick out your outfit so it will all match, you don't look like a hot mess wearing a suit, then good. That's what I did. With the help of Mr. James, these shoes that are shining, he helped me out with these now. Hallelujah, praise God. I don't care what you wear. Do you have the anointing? I don't care what you wear. Are you preaching Jesus with the power of God? I don't care what you look like. Speaking of suits, <laughs> speaking of suits of a younger age, some of y'all might remember this, but I would bring a picture, but I'd be too embarrassed. But just imagine me, you see me right now, but imagine me a few inches shorter, a little bit chubbier, with suit with four buttons, pink with black pinstripes, or lavender. I just gave those away several years ago. Let me, no, no, no. They are suits that brothers wear. And for some of y'all that don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about black gentlemen. And where did I get them from? A place called Fox's in Spartanburg or Gregory's in Greenville. Y'all, I'm telling you something. I walked in there one time. I mean, these are, these are sharp suits. I just couldn't wear them. I couldn't wear them then, but I just didn't realize it. I walked in. Oh, woo. <laughs> I looked like a, hey, I looked like an Easter egg walking in. That's, it, it didn't work. It didn't work. But I walked into Gregory's. And this is no joke. I walked into the Gregor's with Laura. Walked in, no one's in the store. Gentleman working there, black gentleman, comes over. He looked at me, he, he was doing something, said, how you doing? He said, he said, I don't think we got what you want. I said, what you mean? You don't think you got what I want? He said, well, I'm just saying, you probably, don't, probably ain't going to find what you're looking for in here. I said, no, 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 look, look, these are the kind of suits I got. He said, oh, okay, well, okay, all right, well, look at this. This is what I got for you. I know, you know what, that's pretty cool. He wasn't saying it, but basically, I never saw a white guy come in here before. <laughs> I don't care if you white, black, brown, yellow, red. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, there's no power on it. There ain't no black church. There ain't no white church. There ain't no brown church. There's the church of the living God filled with the Holy Ghost. You want to know something that scares, pe that scares Satan to death? People that aren't divided by what their skin looks like. Let me tell you something. 
I ain't got no use for politicians wanting to run on political candidacies that say we're going to do something for black people or white people or brown people. You can't divide me. That's wickedness and that's hatred. I serve Jesus and He saves all colors. He saves men. He saves women. He saves people that don't know what they are. Jesus just is about saving people. And it's by the work of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you will be a witness. Zechariah 4, 6. It's not by might. It ain't by the power of man. But it's by my spirit, says God. You want to see a nation shaken? You get the power of God. You pay the cost to carry the anointing. And you go into your family. You go into your workplace. You go out into the marketplace and you say, I've got your solution to every problem. His name is Jesus. There's a way and His name is Jesus. There's truth and His name is Jesus. And there's life And His name's Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. The Holy Spirit will blow up those situations. The Holy Spirit will move on people. The Holy Spirit... I've been there. I've been there. Wrong color. They listened. Why? Holy Spirit. I've been there. Young, old. They listened. Holy Spirit. It don't matter. It don't matter what you look like. It don't matter what you do. It don't matter where you're from. What matters is, do you know Him, Jesus? And are you going to tell people about Him? Because when you make that commitment, you will not lack the power to do it. Because He's in you. The hope of glory, what people are dying to get, is in you. Stand up on your feet with me today as we go before the Lord in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed, hearts turned toward the Lord. Whether you're here in the house today or you're watching by way of the broadcast, I want you to know that Jesus, He's for you. Even if you might not be for Him, He's made a way for you to be saved. If you're here today, I'm thankful that you are. And if you're here today, though, and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life. I don't, I'm not saying this, this broad term that so many people use, believe in a God. No. Is Jesus Lord of your life? If you can't boldly say yes, you can change that right now. Because He and His life-saving power is here to change you. If you're watching by way of the broadcast, whether now or on a replay, it's not by accident. The Holy Spirit brought you to this stream so that you could make a choice to be saved. You might think, well, you know what? At one time, years ago as a child, I did that. But I just know I'm not right with God. I don't care what people call it doctrine-wise. It's this simple. The Holy Spirit's moving on your heart. And if you know you're not right with God, you can make things right with God right now. And so I would ask this. If you're here today, or if you're watching, you're listening and you don't believe on Jesus, and He's not Lord of your life, make Him Lord of your life. If you would, every head bowed, every eye closed, no one's watching you except Jesus. Will you stand in faith right now and believe on Him as the risen Son of God and confess Him Lord of your life? For He's come to save you from your sins. If that's you and you're here, I want you to raise your hand right now and let me know if you want to pray that prayer. I see your hand. Today's the day everything changes. If you're watching online... All you got to do is say out right where you are, Jesus, I want to be changed. I want to be saved. Church, family of God, would you pray this prayer with the people that have decided to make Jesus Lord of their life right now? Let's pray it all together. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you. I believe that you sent your son to this earth to die on my cross. I believe you raised him from the dead and he is now alive at your right hand in heaven. I confess Jesus, Lord of my life. And as Lord, He is my Savior. Father, I thank You that You cleanse me of all sin, of everything wrong, everything that's shameful, removing it from me forever. Never to think about it again. In Jesus' name. I am free 
because the Son has set me free. In Jesus' name, why don't you shout amen because you've got the victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Between now and next Sunday, pinpoint someone. Say, Lord, I'm going to bring someone with me. Pray about it. Invite many people and bring all that you can. Because what takes place in this building or what takes place out and about when you're ministering to people changes people's lives for all of eternity. Be a bringer. Be a soul winner. Be a kingdom builder. Will you do that for me? More importantly, will you do that for Jesus? Amen. I love you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website, gospeltabernaclechurch.com, so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross. And you have raised him from the dead that I might be alive in him. Jesus, I confess you are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. God bless you.